the Apostles' Creed. We have been walking through this. Ian did a phenomenal job preaching for me last week. And the Apostles' Creed was developed literally uh, over 1,000 years ago. 200 AD was starting to be written. And then around 500 AD, uh, they were applying it and putting it uh, out there. Uh, and, and essentially what it is, is a statement of agreement that Christians have as to the foundations of their faith, the doctrines, right? The, the essentials, the, the most uh, important things. And so what it was developed to do was, was to help bring unity, to unify uh, early Jesus followers around the message, around the truth. So it was used in spiritual formation. And then also it helped protect and guard against fallacies uh, and those coming in with different truths, with different agendas. And they had something that they could hold it against to, uh, hold it against that had uh, highlighted the truths of scripture. Now, when we go through this, this is really important for you to hear. Um, I'm not preaching the Apostles' Creed. Okay, so I want to be really clear, because some people are like, what are we doing? Where are we going? What's... I'm not preaching the Apostles' Creed. You guys, uh, we're preaching the Bible. Okay, we're preaching the Bible. The, the, the Apostles' Creed is not about replacing the Bible. The Apostles' Creed... Uh, points to the Bible. The only authority that comes from the Apostles' Creed is from God's word. So let's be really, really clear about uh, that. Now, uh, last week, and let's just pull it up here. Uh, last week, Ian uh, talked about how I believe in God the Father, uh, and he unpacked the Father, okay, for us. Uh, and, and he unpacked the Trinity. But you guys, it doesn't just say what? I believe in God the Father. Uh, it doesn't leave it there. What does it say? It says, it adds, I believe in God the Father Almighty. Now, I'm gonna be honest. I could do like three weeks on just that word, Almighty. In fact, I tried to at the 815, so I'm gonna try and be better. But guys, this is incredible. You know, and just as we, as we looked at last week, the Father, the Trinity last week, when it comes to God, uh, you need to understand his power. You need to understand the almighty component uh, to it. Because what I see when people view God, uh, and if they're a Jesus follower, kind of generally where they land is, uh, and some of it is based upon the relationship they have with their uh, earthly father, but you see some uh, Christians living their life, and it's always out of fear of God. In other words, they're just trying not to make him angry all the time, right? Their view of God is kind of like the Greeks' view of Zeus, who's up there with the lightning bolt, just waiting. I want to throw it. And so we're living our lives. Some of us, and our view of God is that he is just waiting to punish us. He's waiting to catch us doing the wrong thing. And when you do fall, when you do stumble, when you do fail, in your mind, he is just unleashing wrath on you. So that's your perspective, okay? Then there's the other side uh, who um, honestly don't even acknowledge that that's real, uh, and, and, and they're caught up in what? Uh, the, the relationship, the intensity of his relationship, and that only being the source of their faith in God. In other words, I just want to cuddle. I just want, I just want us to, to love each other. I just want to talk to you, and we'll talk about the day, what I ate, and all of that, and, 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 and we're just 
we're BFFs, me and Jesus, right? And, and it's kind of this posture where it's all about the relationship, but it has no reverential awe or no holy fear or no power component to it. Okay, do you understand? So there's two kind of extreme places that generally people will find themselves at uh, on uh, this spectrum when it comes to God the Father Almighty. Now, just as God is incredibly personal as Father, He is also equally as powerful. Okay, in, in Genesis chapter 17, uh, verse one, uh, it says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Okay, in the Hebrew there, he actually used El Shaddai. That's where that comes from. So I am God almighty. And the word almighty is meant to represent all of God's attributes, Okay, so, so it's the fullness of God, the fullness of his power. It's his omnipotence, right? He's all-powerful. It's his omniscience. He's, he's all-knowing. It's omnipresence, right? He's everywhere at once, which just blows our minds. It's, it's his self-existence. He wasn't dependent on anybody. He didn't come from anybody or anything. And it's his immutability. He is unchanging. Okay, so you guys like, oh, our God is not just some ordinary God. You shouldn't hear that and go, yeah, I believe in him. Okay, he is the Father Almighty who can do anything, who created by the power of his word, and he rules forever. Okay, now throughout scripture, what we see is this expectation and a response to God that was this reverential awe to him, okay? We, we, we literally uh, see when, uh, in the Old Testament, man, if they were approaching God, it was a huge deal, right? You, you are amazed at the power of God and you come and, and, and you come very humbly before him and you make sure things are lined up. In the New Testament, when you see people surrender their lives to Jesus, you see this incredible posture of just like, what can I do? Uh, what can I say? How can I honor him? What can I give? They're overwhelmed by the power of God that met them in that state and pulled them out of their sinful condition. And that power that saves them. And so you see that. In fact, uh, Jesus, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, when he's teaching his disciples how to pray, he says, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, he says what? Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Right? You see how he approaches God the Father? Now, guys, here's the reality. If I believe, because it's about belief, it's not about repeating something. If I believe he's almighty, it will change my entire perspective to this life. See, if I believe he's almighty, then even when his promises seem uh, impossible, I know that they're possible for him. If he's almighty, right? Uh, in fact, uh, when, when Mary is told that she's going to be the one to birth the Savior of the world, uh, she wasn't just like, of course you would choose me. Uh, no, she was like, how can this be? How is this possible? And the angel tells her in Luke chapter 137, he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible. 
So in other words, uh, when, you, when you think about the promises of God in Scripture, the promises if we'll follow him, if we'll walk with him, and, and, and I know that there's times where you go, there's just no way that that's true. There's no way that he can bring that out of my situation, out of my past, out of what I'm seeing going on in the world. Listen, if I believe he's almighty, I believe that it's possible. And not only that it's possible, but it's true. If you believe he's almighty, you will trust him when the challenges come, right? You'll, you'll trust him when that challenge, when, when that thing that is in front of you uh, and it's hindering your ability to move forward, whatever that may be, uh, a relationship, a job situation, a boss, uh, a roommate, whatever that may be, wherever that challenge comes from, if he is God almighty, which is he's all powerful, he's in complete control um, over you and them, uh, guess what? You can trust him. If he's almighty, you'll believe that he can give you peace and joy even when the world looks the opposite. If he's God almighty. If he's God almighty, he can bring peace and joy and love and hope even in the midst of suffering and pain and dysfunction. And you know what else? If he's God almighty, you can trust his guidance as he leads you. See, He's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's gone before you, and so wherever he's gonna lead you, whatever he's gonna call you to do, he's already finished the work, essentially. Okay, it's, it, it, it's accomplished, okay? Our, our task is to what? Obey, and to move forward by faith into what he's calling us to do, and if he's almighty, we can do that. We can follow him into whatever mission that may uh, be. Now, let's be really, really clear. Let's be really, really honest this morning that as we talk about God Almighty, it would be very easy uh, and it would be actually a temptation for me to just go, God Almighty, let's go, let's rally, let's take the hill and for everybody to just go, yes, forget this, forget that problem, I'm, I'm ready to go. So this is just what's gonna happen. But you guys, when we really get down to it um, and, and, we, and, we, and we talk about him being almighty and what that looks like in our lives, you guys, let's be really honest, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. Uh, in fact, in your soul, in your heart, you, you may go, man, I really want to believe that. I really want to trust in that. But man, right now, it's just not so easy uh, to do that. Because you guys, some of you have horrible circumstances right now. Some of you are going through stuff that is unimaginable for me. And you're trying to navigate through that right now. We have people that watch uh, literally across the world. And, 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 and there's people watching right now this sermon and their living situation and circumstances, they're dealing with challenges and suffering and pain that I can't comprehend. There's some of you right now that are going through physical health challenges and pain, and I cannot even begin to relate. I cannot begin to comprehend. You guys, in the last two years, I've never seen it in my life where I've seen so much physical pain and disease in our church. And it breaks my heart. And I don't sit there and go, well, God, you're just almighty, so like, let's go. 
Like, no, my heart breaks and we pray and, 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 and all of those things. And, and, and you just think about uh, people navigating through and you navigating through these, these, just, these tragic situations, whether it's health, whether it's financial, whether it's uh, job-related, whether it's in your families, and, 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 and you're just sitting there and, and, and you're struggling uh, with it. For others of you, it's your past. For others of you, you've heard this sermon before, you've heard that God's almighty, and you go, okay, well, he's almighty, he's all those things. Where was he when this happened? Where was he when that was done to me? When that was said to me? Where was he at in that situation? If he's almighty, all powerful, like, where, where was he at? Right? Where is he at in Ukraine? Right? These are all the things that, that what, we, we, we bring to the table, don't we? that we're dealing with, that, that make this, that give this weight and cause, uh, causes us struggle when we approach this topic. So I don't want to just glaze over it because these are all thoughts and concerns that we have. And here's the thing I just want to say that I love about Scripture, and you've heard me say this before. What I love about Scripture is Scripture does not hide that. In fact, there's two people uh, that that highlights that went through incredible suffering, incredible pain, uh, and and it brings us into the things they actually said to God. It brings us into their confusion, into their anger, into their disappointment, uh, into their blame, uh, David and Job. And they went through just tragic situations physically with their families, losing family members, walking through the pain, uh, literally enemies after them, all of that. And, 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 and it's tough. And, and, and you just see them bear their souls to God. Where are you? Literally praying, David, like, kill them, God. Can you just kill them? Please take them out. Why? Where are you, God? Job is just feeling distant, disconnected. He, he's, he's feeling like he hasn't done anything wrong. He's followed God. Why has all of this happened to me? God, you're almighty. Okay, and, 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 and as Job's walking through this, he's losing family. You guys, some of you, your family, if something happened to your family, Where would your faith be? I'll tell you one thing. I'd be right there with Job. And I'd be saying the same things that Job is saying. I do pray that my wife wouldn't be saying the same thing his wife says. (laughs) That's one mistake. Go back and not marry her. Um, Job's wife tells him, you should curse God and die. Okay? It's like, great. Thanks, honey. (laughs) Let's go. Almighty. Um, and then he's got friends that gather around him, these friends, and his friends accuse him. Say, well, if this, is, this has got to be in your life. This is what's going on. And he's feeling all of these things. And ultimately, Job starts, on, starts, to, starts to just take on this narrative, right? This woe is me and, and why God and all that. And he, and he finds himself in that. And we actually get this window in Job 38, 38 actually through 40 and then 41. And you should read all this. It's, it's crazy. And it will speak to you. Um, but God actually responds. God's heard enough. Certain enough from his friends, certain enough from Job. And, and God responds in Job 38. And in Job 38, 4, this is what God says. He says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. 
There you go. And he continues on that same train. God does to Job. And you guys, Job ultimately responds in just straight up repentance before God. And it's an incredible story. God blesses him immensely, even more so at the end of this. But you guys, it was so difficult. It was such a struggle. And I think what we need to hear is he is almighty. But you guys, there's not just this spiritual pill that you take uh, that immediately solves all your problems. And I feel bad because I feel like, hopefully not us, but I feel like in Christian circles, that pill has been sold. And it's just not true. Guys, here's the reality. There is a lot that's going on. And I don't know what God is doing. I'm sure you did not want to hear that from your pastor. But I don't. I don't. I don't know what's going on around the world. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on in some of the relationships and some family, in I, I, the pain and, and the disease. And I, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't. Man, I've tried to figure it out. I don't know why, I, and, 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 and more often than not, I don't know what God's doing, but you guys, I, I also have to realize this, and we all have to get to this conclusion. We don't have good perspective, do we? We just don't. Our perspective is limited, okay? So not only have we not been around very long, Okay, um, but based upon what we know, we, we're all different spots there. And, and when it comes to uh, how long we've been on the earth, uh, what our understanding is, it's all limited because it's all flesh. And worse yet is there is an enemy working against us. And because of the fall, because of sin, what that does is it hinders our ability to understand God. And so all of this is working against our understanding, and yet we will take God to task and, and go, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And you guys, ultimately, I have to just get to the place where I go, you know what, God, forgive me, because my understanding is very limited. It's just very limited. But God, I can do this. See, if I believe that you are good, if I believe that you are for me, if I believe that you are love, then guess what I can do? I can trust you. I can trust you. I can trust you. Guys, whatever, your, whatever situation you're in right now, and I don't know what it is, God is greater. And he's not only greater in his love, but in his power. Because here's, here's the kicker. Because he's almighty, he's mighty enough to save. And he does through Jesus. You guys, I want you to just think about this. <laughs> and I don't want to go into Jesus too much because that's, that's coming. He's so almighty, he killed death. Okay? Now, if someone's snoozing next to you, just elbow them. Right? Like you shouldn't just go, oh, that's great. You know. He's so almighty. He said, hey, death, good run. You're done. It's over. So he, through the finished work of Jesus, God said, death, you're out of business. You're out. In fact, Paul uh, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.15, he, he says, you've lost your sting, death. It's gone. 
Okay, so, so he's literally taken and defeated death. That's how almighty he is. For you and for me. So death, death is gone. That's the kind of power that we're talking about. Okay, he is almighty, all-powerful. Uh, people say, hey, Steve, when we can talk about Revelation, when we can talk about Revelation, you know, all this. And I'm like, hey, uh, you want to talk about Revelation? Well, let's talk about, let's talk about the it, the battle of Armageddon, right? Now you're like, ooh, the battle of Armageddon. All the nations, they go, they gather in the valley of uh, Megiddo and, and they're there. We're like, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? God's gonna show up and speak and it's done. You're like, what? That's it. That's it. There's your battle. He's going to show up and speak. Boom. Done. That's our God Almighty. Guys, we got to stop playing up like there's some kind of rivalry. You hear people talk and it's literally like, well, what's the enemy going to do now? And what's he going to bring? And how is he going to attack that? It's like, read your Bible. He's on a leash. He's got nothing. He's got to take everything before God. And he's going to lose. Like, like, let's stop playing up this rivalry that doesn't exist. God is almighty. Almighty creator. All powerful. Okay, there is no rivalry. There is no what if or this. Nope, doesn't exist. I'm sorry. So let's kill that narrative today. Okay, I don't care what the movies say or anything. It ain't happening. We know, all right? Now, let's move forward to what it says next. He is almighty creator of heaven and earth. Almighty creator of heaven and earth. Now, why does the universe exist? Why does the universe exist? How do we explain our own existence? Okay, uh, many believe that the universe is an accident. Okay, it's an accident. It's without design uh, or a designer. It just happened. It's a natural fact. We're in it, so it's a natural fact, but it has no greater meaning. There's no greater significance. It's not pointing to anything else. It's just a natural fact that has uh, unexplainably happened. And if that's true of the entire universe, guess what? That means that's true for you and for me. And that's a depressing thought. Man, you wonder why we're all depressed. Man, if I don't have God, what purpose, right? Because you guys, every worldview has a theory of origins and how we understand our origins, it influences the way we think about what? Our identity, how we see ourselves. It also impacts our purpose, what is my purpose? If there was no higher purpose and plan, then what am I doing, right? What am I moving towards? What am I desiring? See, Christians believe that everything that exists traces its existence to God, the creator and sustainer of all that is, all that ever was, and all that ever will be. Okay. Um, in fact, it, the Bible begins uh, in the book of Genesis and Genesis 1, 1. And I love it because some of you, you just came to faith. You just put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus. You didn't have any idea what to do with this. And so you just picked it up like a book, right? And you're like, Genesis 1, 1, let's go. I'm gonna read the Bible. And then you got to like Exodus and you're like, what's going on? <laughs> Whoa, he didn't preach about that. Okay, it's getting weird. Um, 
But in Genesis 1.1, we begin with what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And what we are immediately confronted with when we open to Genesis 1-1 is what? We are immediately confronted with God's power. God created from nothing. Okay, you need to see that. God created from nothing. He didn't simply tweak pre-existing creation into new shapes, new purposes, new forms. No, he created something from nothing. (laughs) Okay, Uh, my boys have this big container full of Legos. Okay, and they go in there and they destroy everything that I took hours to build and then they build their own thing. Right? They tweak it, they rearrange it, and they go, look. And I'm like, oh, it's great. There goes hours. And, but they have this new design. But you guys, they didn't like create the Legos. No, they just repurposed them. You guys, God created from nothing by the power of his word. That's what we see. He spoke everything into existence. And when it was all done, in the Genesis account, we see after the sixth day, God said, it is very good. It is very good. Now, when he's saying this, we're talking about the world as it should be. A place of perfect peace uh, and love, a world where there's no disease, murder, shame, uh, natural disasters. Uh, and, And guys, this is a desire that we all have, right? We all desire that. We all desire to live in that, to experience that. That's what we're driving for. That's what we're hoping to uh, attain. Um, and, And why is that in us? Because you guys, that's where we were originally created to live. That's what you were, that's where your body was designed to go to and to live at. And so you guys, the Bible says that the memory of that perfect world is literally imprinted on our hearts in Ecclesiastes. C.S. Lewis said it's like remote music that we are born remembering. The whole human race, I don't care what you believe, the whole human race has this powerful awareness that we were made for something else. There has to be something better. There's something different. Everybody is striving for this. Uh, John Calvin says, the world that God created is the theater of his glory. The theater of his glory. When you look at the world from his perspective, you guys, when you just, you, and you just get overwhelmed by it, you see God's glory. I don't think I've ever looked at an ocean and gone, man, my glory is incredible, right? <laughs> Every time I see something like that, I am just like, I am like this, And so we see God's glory. I want you to just think about the size of the universe for a second. Uh, And and, and I love how the Bible describes this. And there are so many verses I had to just like condense them. There's so many. In Psalm 104.2, listen to how he describes God. He says, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. Okay, now my poor kids, I've never taken them camping. So when I describe to them this verse, they're a little lost. But I say, guys, it's like if we went out camping and I'm spreading out this tent, that's how big God is. He did, like, like, like he's so big and he's detached from it that he literally created the heavens like your dad 
although I haven't done it, stretching out a tent. That's how big God is, you guys. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. He stands outside of it as creator. Uh, Isaiah looks up to the stars. He looks up into the sky in Isaiah 40, verse 26. He writes this, lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. So Isaiah looks up and he's overwhelmed. He's just stunned. He's caught up in this moment of worship, just looking at the sky. And and guys, he's looking at the sky at that point in time. He's not looking at the sky like we can now with what we know with our telescopes. I wonder what, what he would be like now. Looking up to the sky and knowing that the nearest of those stars that he's looking at is literally 4.24 light years away. And a light year is 5.88 trillion miles. And if he knew that he was seeing just a tiny portion of our galaxy, which has 100 billion stars, or that beyond our galaxy are literally, and this is conservative, 200 billion other galaxies. You're like, how does he know that? Man, I am doing this ridiculous devotional with my kids, and it is blowing my mind, guys. We're doing, I'm like, guys, did you hear that? They're like, what's up, dad? I'm like, oh my goodness, God is huge. Look what God did. And the more we study, the more we see, the more in awe we are of him. You guys, we look up, we see the power of God, but we also see the power of God when we look just around us at the earth. See, on the second day, Genesis tells us that God made the sea. In Psalm 33, six through nine, it says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. Okay, I, just, I just love it. I love the imagery once again. It's literally like he saw uh, and gathered the seas together. Now, when we look at the seas and we look at the oceans, we're like, oh my goodness. And it says he just gathered it like at storehouses. Some translations translate it to jars. Like that's what he did with the waters. No big deal. Okay, um, and, and, and so when we think about the sea when we, and, and how just overwhelming that is and we go to the ocean and, and we look out at it, when, when you think of the mountains and the mountains that we're blessed to, to be surrounded by and you look up at that and you just get overwhelmed by it, the sunsets that you're able to see and experience, the conditions for life to exist on earth. I mean, are you just aware of all the things that are just randomly right for us to exist? It's crazy. And then just our bodies the design, the complexity of our bodies, it points to a creator. In fact, in Romans chapter one, verse 20, Paul writes, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So Paul here is claiming that creation testifies to the creator and we should see God's invisible attributes in the things that are made. 
But you guys, when we, when we think about the challenges we face, and ultimately the, the challenge we face when we read this uh, is the same challenge that uh, the readers had in Genesis chapter one at the time of Moses. Because at the time of, of Moses, um, who, who wrote that, uh, we know that the nation of Israel, they've been taken out of Egypt and they're surrounded by different cultures, different people groups who are worshiping different things, aren't they? Uh, they, 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 they're like the sun. They, they don't look at the sun and go, oh, wow, God. They go, I'm gonna worship the sun, right? They had animals, all these things that they were, that they were uh, worshiping. And, and, and so Genesis 1 is blowing their minds. It's blowing away. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's literally a call like you need to guard your heart from worshiping these other things. And you guys, you may not be tempted to like look at the sun and go, oh, sun. Like you may not be tempted to worship the sun, but... We gotta ask, what does have my wonder? What does have my awe? What does have my heart in this created world that I am giving myself to, my life to, my heart to, and I'm not acknowledging the creator of that very thing? One writer described it as getting love letters from somebody special but falling in love with the mailman. Guys, the mailman wasn't the source of joy, right? The mailman delivered the message. It was the connecting point. A lot of people have fallen in love with the mailman. They love creation, but never translate that into love for the creator. And it says, Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. See, the created world is a messenger telling us of his wonder and his power. But we still have the temptation, don't we? It's all around us. As Paul was reflecting on Christ's role in creation, he wrote in Colossians 1.16, he said, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Okay, are you hearing this? Okay, so this not only helps us see Jesus' involvement in creation, but it gives us purpose for how we're called to live since we were what? We were created by him and created for him. We were created by a specific design for, for a specific purpose. And what is that purpose, you guys? Our lives should glorify God. What is all creation designed to do? Point to God. Point to bring people to a glory of God. Point them to, to take their worship and go to God with it. And so my life, every day when I wake up, I should ask, how can I glorify God? That's my purpose. Whatever my job is, whatever my situation is, whoever I'm gonna be surrounded with, God, help me to glorify you today. And even more so because of what we know about humanity, right? In Genesis 1:26, how are we created? We weren't just like a deer. No, he made us in whose image? His image. 
We are made in his image. Even more so for us, should we be asking how we glorifying him? Because we have been created and we're the only ones created to be a reflection of his image with a heart, with a soul, uh, and a mind like that. And then not only that, but we were given the task of what? Stewarding all of creation. He said, he said, I want you to rule all that. This is a gift for you. Okay, so, so you guys, it's not just like, oh, I'm glad the moon's doing its thing. No, my role, I wake up. I gotta ask, how am I glorifying God? How am I magnifying God? You guys, as a church, that's why it's our first core value. Glorify God. We exist to glorify God. To make much of him. Guys, this also reminds us, though, of who should have ownership. The theologian Abraham Kuyper said, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Every created thing belongs to God. Okay? See, what we do that may be different than in Genesis 1 in the struggles there is we not only worship something, but we take ownership, don't we? My family's not my family anymore, or my family's not God's, it's mine. That child is mine. I'm gonna do fine, God. This is the outcome, this is what I want. This relationship that I have, whether I'm dating, whether I'm married, uh, guys, we take ownership, don't we? It's mine. You don't belong to yourself. A lot of scripture is going to speak against that one, okay? You don't. You were bought with a price, okay? Uh, you were created, all right? Uh, you didn't say, hey, whip me up, God. No, he did his thing. So you created, so you don't belong to you. Your, your, your spouse, mm, no, she's God's. She's God's. And, and I love it. I'm doing a, a premarital right now with this, with this couple. And their minds are being blown by this. It's not, they're mine. You'll be mine. It's amazed at God and how they're God's. And if, what that would look like in a relationship. And it's not just for that, you guys. Your job is not yours. Your money's not yours. Uh, your, your house is not yours. Everything belongs to God. And so not only do we have a temptation to worship that, and like no other time are we seeing the worship of our stuff, the worship of our family, of our kids. And I'll tell you right now, as things open up, guess what the temptation's gonna be? Everything about my family, right? We're already seeing it. Right, like, and I already feel the temptation inside of me. How do I catch my kids up to everything they've missed? And God's like, would you stop? Did you, did you hear what you just preached? I'm almighty, I'm sovereign, I'm all powerful, they're mine. Your spouse is not yours. Your job is not yours. <laughs> your house is not yours. None of that is yours. This church is not mine. <laughs> this is all God's. And so what this teaches us you guys, is, is not only does it give us incredible purpose and guard us against idolatry, but it also reminds us whose all this stuff is, who it belongs to. Now, you either look at me and you go, well, that's, that's no good. Or you listen to the first half of the message and you go, that's the best. 
It's the best that my child doesn't belong to me. It's the best that my wife goes before the Lord, before me. It's, it's the best that I don't look at this and go, this is all I have. Because you guys, you know as well as I do, it, you never hold your possessions if without God, they hold you. Okay, and so, and so all of this points to purpose. It points to uh, being reminded that, that it is all his, it is not mine. And, 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 and so your health, your job, your status, you guys, it's all his. And when we say, you gotta hear this, when we say that God is the maker of heaven and earth, you know what we're also saying? We're also saying that he has a purpose for this world and he will complete that purpose. That's what we're saying. See, you guys, despite the rebellion of humanity that we see all the way from the beginning with Adam and Eve and the sin, all of those things, right, that are working against us, you guys, in spite of all of that, and you and me continuing to fall back, to struggle, to make mistakes, to do all those things, God is still at work and he is actually fulfilling his perfect plan and purpose in the world. Because he's creator and he's almighty, he's all powerful. You guys, I want you to just think about all the creation language we see when it comes to salvation. Uh, and in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul says, For God, who said, let light, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And later in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Oh, I love that. Guys, you have an opportunity to experience the same power of God that was at work in creation. Paul says that when you place your faith and trust and hope in Jesus, the God who spoke the universe into being speaks life into your heart. The God who said, let there be light at the beginning of time brings resurrection light into your soul. And we need to hear that because some of us right now, man, we are in darkness. We are in darkness. And the gospel is inviting you to a new beginning. Guys, you can be a new creation. Embrace Jesus. He will make you new. And here's what's so great about all this. Guys, we don't have to look back to Eden and go, how do we get back there? How do we have that? We don't have to do that anymore. Why? Because now we can anticipate the new heaven and the new earth that he is creating for us. And it says that all creation is groaning for that. It is groaning and for and awaiting the return of the Savior, Jesus. So guys, when we say this, let's not just say it, right? I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. There is a sovereign God who has designed and created you to live out a special and specific purpose for your life. And he's in complete control. Trust him. Walk with him. Give glory to him, and you will be amazed at the story he tells with your life. And we'll be amazed at the story he tells with this church. I'm already like, how are we still standing? What? It's because it's his. It's his. Okay? 
I'm so thankful for Jesus. You know, we went through the book of John. John kicks off. What? And the word became flesh. See, the word didn't just stay at creation, did it? The word became flesh and joined among us, and the very word of God redeemed us. And we celebrate that, and we live in light of that.